I'm Ray Hudson, and you are, I don't know who you are, but you're listening to Blaugranagram. Don't be like them kids in the Blair Witch Project, and go away, alright? Hello everyone, and welcome to The Driven Shot. This is episode 6. And uh, episode six of season two. Now, of course, it is a bit delayed. Uh, I did have some things that came up, and that's why last week's episode didn't air. This week's episode was supposed to air this Monday, uh, as it does every Monday. But I figured that after a Champions League game would be the better time to air it. Now, hopefully, give you guys a bit of room uh, to kind of voice your opinions in here, because again, this show is meant to be an interactive show. It's meant to be a show where I voice my opinion, you voice yours, and we can spark a bit of a debate. So. Let me know your thoughts in the comments on the stream. Now, of course, the big talking point this evening, Barcelona nail Juventus 3 at the Camp Nou. Two goals by Cristiano Ronaldo and one by Weston McKinney. Uh, And for Barcelona, the talking point, I think for many at least, will be the tactical setup that seemed very lacking for Barcelona this, this tonight at least. Um... At the first 20 minutes, I think you look at it, and, and Barcelona simply were not in the game. They The team looked taken aback by Juventus' high pressure, and it seemed like they wanted to just go for just defend and hope for the best. And obviously with players like Ronald Araujo and players like uh, Clement Longley, who was starting alongside Araujo, uh, Alba, and Sergio Dest, of course, some names in there more proven than others. Some names in there very young, uh, namely Destin Araujo, Alba on the on the older side of of uh, well the younger side of thirty, and um, of course Clement Longley in his mid late twenties. The defense didn't look like one that was going to concede a lot of goals, and it was a three nil game, but it definitely could have been much more than that. I think Barcelona had a lot of chances as the game went on. But in the first 20 minutes, Juventus were in cruise control. Um, Barcelona just simply had nothing on them. They knew they didn't know what to do. And as the time went on, Barcelona came back into the game slowly. But it's one of those things where Barcelona's start, I think, obviously the Cadiz uh, loss in the weekend, obviously that's going to shake you up as a team. But then again, it is one of those things that is so strange to look at because Barcelona's form for the past couple of years that we, as we have been used to, they've been better in La Liga. They've been better domestically than they've been on the European stage. And thus far, even though the opponents are Fernando Varos and Dinamo Kiev, mostly they have been doing very well in the Champions League. They had five games, five wins and, and convincing wins. The score lines were convincing. The performances were at, at the very least satisfactory for Barcelona fans. And you look at the way tonight's game panned out, and it's very difficult to pinpoint one thing that went wrong and that you can go, well, yeah, that's the thing that needs fixing. You know, because for me, and I know a lot of people might disagree with this, I don't think Antoine Griezmann was bad today. And I don't know what else he could have done differently because Juventus kept him in check and they disconnected Barcelona's attack from the midfield. The midfield in itself... It took them around half an hour to get into the game. Of course, the midfield consisting of Frankie de Jong, Miralem Pjanic, and Pedri for, for, for big parts of the game. 
Um, Trincao was somewhat isolated on the right wing, and whenever he had the ball, you can't really blame him. Uh, and to be honest, I don't know if if he was the right man to put on there. Now, of course, Ansu Fati, Usman Dembele would have been options for if not if it wasn't for their injuries. And you can't really do a lot on that right wing in terms of who you can put in instead of Trincao. You could put Pedri in there, and you'd need a number ten um, in Ronald Koeman's four two, uh, four two three one favorite system. And it just becomes very, very difficult to see how else the lineup on paper could have been. I mean, of course, Felipe Coutinho was an option. He was quite self-critical at the presser ahead of the game, saying that he knows he hasn't been at his best. Um, and, and you know, you got to wonder if, if that was part of the reason why Kuman didn't pick him. If it's because Kuman was, well, yeah, that's true. You haven't been great. And as a result, you're not going to play. But then putting out a Francisco Trincao in a game where Barcelona... If they conceded three goals, the opponents were the, the the upcoming opponents in round of sixteen for Barcelona. Among those names, you'll find Manchester City, Liverpool, Bayern Munich. That's a scary thing to look forward to for Barcelona, given the recent form. And you got to think if they're playing like this against Juventus, where they just simply cannot seem to get into the game until it's a bit too late. You, What's going to happen if they face an on, an informed Bayern or an informed Manchester City or Chelsea? Um, so it is one of those things that are quite scary. And looking here at the at the comments now, uh, who's Dan says, I hope Messi is going to be happy at City. Um, as I said in the last episode with where Samuel Marston from, uh, from ESPN Sport was guesting, um, I don't see Messi leaving. Um simply because the presidential elections are right around the corner. That usually means big changes. And both uh, the the popular uh, presidential candidates, you could argue how popular Laporta is, but he is quite popular. Of course, Emilio Osor, also a name. Um, they all, of course, seem quite adamant on, on Lionel Messi staying. And I think for Messi, the important thing is that if they have a project and if they have a clear vision... I, th- I think that could be the convincing factor because recently Barcelona have not been the Barcelona that they used to be, for instance, back in 2015. And of course, with players leaving and players coming in, you know, Dani Alves leaving, Neymar leaving, Xavi, Iniesta, you have to find the pro- the right re- replacements. But you look at the team today and you look at Ricky Puig coming in in the final 25 minutes and he did, he, he was able to do more than some of the other players that had been there for the first 65 and again, I keep asking myself this question, why Ricky Puj is not playing every game or every other game? Why is he getting 15 or 20 minutes a game rather than 45? Because every time he's come on, he's been one of the standout performers every game. And he's been the one that's willing to, to take the right risks. And he does, that, he does that well. That's what he's good at. He's good at making the right passes, good at evading pressure. And it's just very strange to see Kuman not be being willing to play Puj for more than one half unless it's a game that's done and dusted. Um, so that's something that I still can't quite understand. Obviously, Kuman watches the players in the training sessions, uh, obviously way closer than, than us journalists do or than general, the general fan will do. But at the same time, looking at how the team is playing and looking at every game that's been going on, it just does not make sense to me why Ricky Puj doesn't have a more prominent role in this Barcelona side because they clearly are struggling in midfield, not because Pjanic or Young have been putting in bad performances. I think Pjanic has been quite a good signing thus far. 
I know DeYoung has been struggling, but I don't think he's been bad per se. And I I don't really think any player in the squad has been bad or terrible. Um, you know, obviously some are still struggling to adapt, especially under new management, under new tactics or new roles in the formation, a new formation that Kuman seems very adamant on playing with, the 4-2-3-1. Um, obviously it's a huge change for everyone involved. And I, I think a lot of people are trying to find that scapegoat to be able to get that peace of mind and say, yes, this is the person that's ruining everything. And, and this is, if we get this person out, this, the club situation is fixed. Uh, and I, quite, quite frankly, I don't think it's that simple. Let me look at some of the comments here. Um, ADSL verb asks, what can we do with Grias? Is it possible to sell him considering his salary? Um, I think that is quite difficult to sell him considering his salary, but also I don't think, obviously, as we reported on Blogonogram recently, um, and exclusively, he is one of the names that have been on the table when it comes to Barcelona looking to make money off of some sales to, you know, get out of their delicate financial situation, but also raise some money. And whether that will be in January, whether that will be in the summer, partly depends on the market and the players the clubs and which players the clubs are looking for i don't think he's an easy player to sell and at the same time i don't think he's a player that wants to leave because he i mean he barcelona is a move that he has that he had wanted for a long time and i don't think barcelona will just let go of him for peanuts considering the efforts they did to get him from atleti in the first place um I, I don't think he's been bad. I, I feel that the general consensus is that he hasn't been great for Barcelona, but I disagree because I think although he hasn't been your poacher or your goal scorer, Griezmann was never really that type of goal scorer. He's a player that if you give him the ball, he'll finish it, but he's not a number nine. And you have to play him in a position where he can play in his natural role, which is similar to the number 10 role, obviously somewhat occupied by Messi, but we've seen it work this season. And Kuman just needs to find that formula, which I don't think he's found quite yet. Obviously, Brathwaite's still finding his footing. I think he's been, he's hit the ground running. I think he's done really he's done really well, in my opinion. Um, and obviously, you have to remember that with players like Brathwaite, with players like Griezmann still adjusting, Messi, of course, there, Trincao, Pedri, all these names need to adjust to each other. And if the formation, you look at the team when, when Ansu Fati was on the pitch, and the team looked different, partly because of what Ansu Fati brings, but also because the, that front line had sort of gelled together. And you kind of lose that when you lose a player as as prominent and as crucial as Ansu Fati was to Barcelona. So I think that's definitely an aspect as well that needs to be considered is that the formation has been rigid, which quite frankly, I think there should be some flexibility, some leeway, but Koeman is very, seems to be quite set on using this formation. Um, the other aspect is that the players that play in the front line switch from time to time, switch quite often, and that comes with its with its drawbacks um and looking at the other comments here Orojo david remember this stream is on youtube twitter and facebook so if you like what we're doing here on the podcast network and if you like this live format which i personally am a really big fan of because i think it's a bit more interactive um do drop a like or subscribe or follow whatever platform you're on um this will also go on Spotify and Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, all that stuff. So if you've missed this or if you've missed any of the previous episodes, you can find them on there. Do follow on the relevant platform you listen on or give a rating. They really do help us a ton. 
So um, with that being said, let's keep going here. Let's look at Rojo David. Said Kuman is too rigid with this formation. I don't understand why he won't play Pooch. And yes, uh, I, I I have to agree. I mean, I think the four two three formation can work, and even for Barcelona. But the the players in the system, the way they're playing, and the fact that so many players are being changed, substituted, and just not making the starting eleven makes it very hard to have your team gel together because once one player is used to another player's runs or another player's types of passes and that player isn't next to them anymore, especially in a team that's still during and during a rebuild, that's going to mess up everything. Um, so I could see this formation succeeding. I don't think the formation is the problem. I think the problem is that the, the starting lineup keeps changing and as so do, so do the tactics. And you look at Juventus, they've been playing somewhat of – the same their starting lineups have been quite similar recently um and and the players in the teams have been playing together for a long time anyways so it's not going to matter too much with barcelona half of the team practically are new players and either new players or players that are still adapting so it's not easy in that in that sense and i think a lot of people tend to forget that now does that excuse a 3-0 defeat at home i don't think so but at the same time i think there were some positives to take from today's game for barcelona I think they should have scored a couple of goals. Gigi Buffon was amazing. Considering he's 42 years old, his saves and his his athleticism, his movement is immense. Um, so I think he's definitely going to sleep happy tonight. Looking at some of the comments here, who's Dan again says, I hope he stays uh, about Messi. Uh, however, we're most likely going to be in the direction of the Champions League. Um. If Barcelona play the way they did today, I don't think it's gonna. I don't think it bodes well for the upcoming Champions League fixture, no matter who it's against. Um, but I think the team does have quality to get back up and get back on their feet. And obviously, we'll see if that's the case or not. But I think I don't think it's over just yet. Um, well, David again says Longley has been bad. <laughs> again, I've I've heard this, and I don't think he has been. I've know I know a lot of people have called him terrible and said he ha he hasn't been good enough and he needs to leave. Um, for me, I think that's quite reactionary because he's been, in my opinion, he's been a quality defender for a long time for Barcelona. And this season, he's hit by Gerard Pique, who he used to play alongside. He's left. Sergio Roberto, that he used to play alongside, is injured. Uh, he's getting used to playing with Dest, even though I know they're not on the same side, but that's still a back line. That's still a back four that you need to, that you need to change. Um, and, and that's definitely something to take into consideration. I think, I, I don't think he's been bad. I think it's just a matter of, of him struggling to adapt because obviously the defense takes on a different type of shape under a new manager and whether that's tactically the case here or whether it's simply down to the fact that the team's mentality is different or the team's, you know, if the midfield has to defend a bit more or if they have to attack a bit more, does that leave gaps that weren't left under, let's say, Kike Setien or Ernesto Valverde? That's something you have to get used to. And, you know, having the defensive partner change all the time with one time it's Araujo, the other time it's Mingueza, and the third time it's, you know, Pique when he's not injured and then it's Umtiti. And De Jong, it's 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 very difficult for a defender to adjust to that. And because he plays in defense, obviously when 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 the goals happen, I mean, you look at the handball today, the handball incident. For me, I was a little bit on the fence because I didn't think that it hit him the first time. And then looking back at it, I guess it's a fair call. And 
one thing is a lapse of concentration, but I think the fact that the defense, the, 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 at least, at the very least, that the two center backs have been changing as often as they have, I don't think that's been helping. And I think having a, a, a very similar front back four for every game, I think that's going to help a lot because we saw with Migueza, the defense was all right. So it, it really is a matter of consistency in who he plays with. I think that's going to bring the best out of him. And you could argue the same thing for Marc-Andre Ter Stegen, which I don't think has been the case either. I think Barcelona right now are in a state of, of rebuilding the team. And obviously some blame is going to be shifted towards one person, towards another, and towards a third. And, you know, that's fun and all, but it's it. I, I think it goes a bit deeper. I think it's it's the fact that the team is rebuilding. They need a, certain, a set mentality. They need a set tactic, a set plan. How to how to play these games? How to take these games? And you can look at this, the the team on paper, and it looks amazing. And you'd think that this team will at least win La Liga. For me, I'm I'm not gonna say just you know pull the plug and say that's it, it's over. Bar- Barcelona not winning La Liga this season. I think they still can be top of contenders. Obviously, Atleti are in a very favorable favorable position. They also they also have been amazing as well. But I think for Barcelona, I think now it's just. Matter of, of staying a bit patient, a matter of realizing that this is a phase of, of rebuild. This is a rebuild phase, and you can't just rush through it. And you have to do some things in a certain way to get that going. Changing your players for every game in every starting lineup is not going to work. Um, and I think that's that's the thing that they definitely need to consider. But I don't think it's over. I don't think it's over just yet. Uh, Barca boys on YouTube says, do you feel there's a lack of fight from the players on the pitch? I mean, the first half was a bit lackluster from Barcelona. Um, they made things a bit too easy for Juve, especially in the opening 20. I think as the game went on, they started fighting a bit more. But then towards the end of the game, they they kind of lost that spirit. And of course, when it's 3-0 and then they scored a 4-0 and it's disallowed, even then, it's it, it, that has to affect the team. I mean, I wish, ideally, I wish that Barcelona had the mentality they had for the remontada against Paris. But I think that needs that team needs a bit more gelling. And that team needs a manager that's been there for more than four to five months. And the fact of the matter is that that's not been the case just yet. And they need time. I don't think I don't think Ronald Koeman, if he leaves, that that's it. That, you know, I don't think that him leaving will automatically fix Barcelona because I don't think that he is the problem. I don't I don't think that you can just put the blame on a certain person and say this person is a problem. I think it's the fact that this team is in a rebuild and they're trying to get things right and they're trying to get some consistency in. But injuries obviously are not on their side. Time is not on their side. The COVID restrictions, I imagine, have affected players and, and staff alike mentally. And it's not easy. It re- it's really not. And I think, I mean, I don't think it's over just yet. I really don't. Um, obviously, it doesn't bode well. And I think even if they do, if even if Barcelona do crash out of the Champions League, they can still use that as an experience and, and as a learning experience and sort of try and build on their Liga form. Even if they don't fight for the title, at least try and salvage some points and, and maybe have a decent season at the end of it and try to build from that. Um, Barca Boy says, do you feel there, there's like a fight from the players apart from a few players? Already answered that one. Who's Dan again? Says Usman and Fatih give with. No one else offers that. That's why we're so easy to defend now. I think them, them giving width is definitely a, a factor. I mean, Trincao gave decent width, but he couldn't do too much with the ball. He doesn't have that experience yet. And it's it's not like Barcelona were 
you know, passing, you know, just passing around with flying colors. And that's, that's a thing. I, I think that the players need, need to be eased in. If, if Kuman is going to ease in Ricky Puj, and if that's the reason why he's not playing him for 90 minutes, I think that should also be the case for Trincao, maybe even for Pedri. I mean, Pedri has been amazing. I think Ricky Puj has been amazing. I think Trincao has been good, but at the same time, if you want to if you want to use a certain policy, try use that all across the board rather than selectively choosing this player and this player. Even though you know Pedri is, is seventeen, and you could argue, well, he he is young, but he's playing. And then you look at Ricky Puj, who's in his twenties, and it's he's too young. That's it. Just doesn't sit well with me. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. So I think that's that's another thing to to. Consider, I mean, of course, Usman and Ansu Fati are players that have a lot of confidence in them, natural dribblers, and that's definitely another aspect of it. But I think consistency is key for Barcelona, and I don't think they've found that key yet. And I think that's what they have to look for. Sam McIntyre asked, what do you think about Barcelona's defense tonight? I mean, the scoreline really says that it wasn't good, and... For large parts of the game, I think it was okay. Um, Juventus were really attacking, firing it with all cylinders, and I think Barcelona, for large parts, of, for large parts of the game, I think they didn't do too badly. I mean, even the crosses that were made in just didn't make it because the, the you know, the striker was held off or not pushed pushed away, but in a legal manner, and and they've they kept they kept the attackers in check. Um, Conceding two penalties, uh, one off of a handball, one off of a rash challenge by a, a young Araujo, I think is is quite unfortunate. And I, I think the scoreline. I don't think I don't think the scoreline really reflects the game because you look three 0 and you think, well, yeah, that's it. Juventus completely dominated, which I don't really think was the case because Barcelona had a lot of chances, but Buffon brought his A game, and that's how it goes. Um, Rojo David says, I agree, Pika's absence has affected Longley. I should have said struggling, not bad. And that was in reference to my point earlier about Longley and lack of consistency with his defensive partner. Who's Dan says, Tinkal doesn't offer width, in my opinion. He always goes and field onto his left for like Coutinho on the right. I mean, I could see that. I think today he was trying to offer a bit more width, but it's it's a it's a different style of play that he has to adjust to if that's what Ronald Koeman and, and co and company want from him. So that's also a thing to consider. Um, you know, again, I mean, it is, is it a disappointing defeat? Of course. Could have Barcelona gone top if they didn't lose 2-0? Yes. But the fact of the matter is they did. And got to look onwards. I mean, of course, things don't, things don't bode too well for Barcelona um, with both La Liga football and Champions League football coming up. But I think they could, do, I think they could use this as a learning experience. And I don't know if you could call this a reality check because I don't really think it was. I don't think... I mean, the Cadiz defeat to Cadiz said it's pretty much said all that was to be said um, from from an on the pitch standpoint. And I think today just further reinforced that there are some things that are going wrong for Barcelona, whether that's tactics, whether that's formation, whether that's lineup or whether that's the mentality of the players. That's up for interpretation. But I don't think you can just point at one thing and say, that's it. That's the scapegoat, because that the way I see it, that's definitely not the case. Now, of course, I hope you've enjoyed this live stream. Again, this does go on uh, all your favorite streaming platforms, all the major streaming platforms. It is on uh, the, It is part of the Blog on Grand Podcast Network. We also have ADN Barca and Barca Talk Pod. 
and the Washington Talk Cafe. So you can tune on your favorite streaming platform. And we also have a Patreon. If you want to support us on there, you can head to patreon.com slash Network or use the link down below. Um, with that being said, if you would like some merchandise, maybe to help you cope with the sadness of seeing Barcelona lose, or whether because, or maybe you just want to look a bit cooler, head over to blogongram.com slash shop. Use code STREAM10. That's code S-T-R-E-A-M-T-E-N. You can use that and uh, get some nice merchandise. And um, I think that's about it. Thank you very much for watching. And on that note, Phil Shane from BN Sports, roll that outro. My name is Phil Shane. And you've been listening to The Driven Shot, hosted by Omar Hawash and the Blaugranogram News Outlet. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you have a wonderful day, and hopefully we'll see you again soon.